Well, welcome to Sunday at 10 at New Community. Whether you are with us live from the bedroom, the bathroom, the lounge room, the backyard shed, glad to have you here with us this morning, today, together. And uh, if you're a family or you're going solo, wherever you are, we just want to welcome you here um, today. We, um, we've got a few things. I'm going to be doing the welcome today and Cindy's going to be doing the talk and so I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, I wanted to bring you up to date with some things that are happening in the life of New Community as well. Uh, I was out running this week and when I came home I was having uh, a bad hair day, kind of like this. And so I remembered that I actually had a clipper set at home and so I went digging for them and uh, many years ago I picked up this Wow clipper set and so uh, that has been really helpful over the years although it had been tucked away and so I um, went ahead and did something you probably shouldn't do I just decided to cut my own hair so if you're wondering why I'm looking particularly the way I am today it's because I just got in front of the mirror and decided to do some chopping and I felt a bit better for it and I even tried to get the line going down the middle there but I kind of got a little bit overzealous. I wanted a single carriageway, but I think I got a freeway. You can back a truck right through that line. But what I thought you might be able to do, so this is the challenge now, because I reckon we're going to be having lots of wild moments over the coming weeks and months, depending on how long we're going to be in quarantine for. Um, and so th this is the deal. I'm going to share my wild clippers with you. So the deal goes like this, if you use them, I'm going to leave them in the letterbox, you can pick them up, um, take them home, you need to uh, cut your hair and there's all these different tips online, so you can go online, there's all these different hairdressers and whatnot, um, you can get all their, their home free kits cutting exercises, um, but you have to take a before shot and an after shot and send it in, alright, so that's the only deal, if you need these wild clippers, because we're all going to be having wild moments, what you need to do is take them, take them with you, drop them back home again, make sure they're all cleaned up, um, but you need to send me um, the before shot and the after shot, and we're going to show them here, we're going to see who is going to have the best hair going around that you have cut yourself. If it's anything like St Andrews, there was these Turkish barbers everywhere in St Andrews, and everyone came out looking the same, girl or guy, just, everyone came out looking the same, so we want to check out what the best hairstyles are with my wild kit if you need it just text me through send it through on Facebook right now and we will get them to you we will organize that um, alright so in our quarantine isolation space different families and different individuals have been doing different things so have a look at this this I found and discovered this this is the mittens this is what the mittens were up to this week when they were at home um, and see what happens in the lounge room just here so there you go, they are doing their exercising. So we have Kira and uh, Lucas and Isabel, um, dad and mum, doing the exercise routine. Uh, isn't that good? All coordinated, there's push-ups there, there's step-ups, there's, there's dumbbell presses, there's everything is happening. And I like this little last bit at the end. There you go. So... What I'm looking for is what you are doing to pass the time away in isolation. And I'm looking for some creative elements here. We want you to send them through so we can feel still, still feel a little sense of connection even though we are perhaps kilometers apart. So that's our virtual lounge room space that we can share together. So if you have any 
um, sort of ways in which you are creatively passing the time that we want you to send them through as well. All right, a couple of things that I need to draw your attention to. Firstly, in our connection groups. A number of you now have been placed into Zoom groups or connection groups during this time. The critical part for us is that there's a sense of pastoral connection. Um, to mitigate against the isolation. And so what we do each um, of our Sunday gatherings that uh, we watch and then we do go into our Zoom groups or our family groups and we've got some questions that you can follow with as well. So one of our critical parts here on the staffing is to make sure that our connection groups are happening and functioning. And so each of you will have a leader and what we're inviting the leaders to do is to be able to pass through any prayer needs that come up. In fact, in the weekly update um, that Steve put together some terrific details and content there, you can actually go ahead and record any prayer requests and they get sent to the praying group. Now, one of the initiatives you'll see in that detail that Steve's put down there is that particularly for those who are in the medical arena, uh, we're wanting to cover those people in prayer. So not only people from new community who are working in those areas, but also you might have a friend that you could ask and say, look, we've got a church group that are just praying. Would you like to be covered in prayer as well? And if that's the case, then you send that through um, on the connection and link that you can see in the detail there, and it will come through. And there'll be people praying for your friend who's perhaps in the, the medical health and safety area as well. So that's just a really important aspect too. Now a staffing update, because some of you have been asking about um, our, some of our uh, decisions that we've been making in terms of our staffing numbers and, and our, our colour cutback, our tightening of the belt over the past few weeks. So when we talked about this at Church Council, we said, look, in our preparation for the next two months um, and the changed work environment that we're experiencing, we're going to need to tighten our belts. So we wanted to do that wisely. And I just need you to know that I've had some really good conversations with all of our staff. We've effectively across the board taken about a half, um, a, a tightening of the belt, so half of our time. And so there's been a reduction in our wages in half uh, across the board. And, and that's been actually a really healthy conversation with all of the staff because the critical part we want is to be able to carry everyone in the boat through the uncertain times ahead. And so that's the reason behind it. That being said, our giving for the last month has been over budget, which is just awesome. Um, and we don't know what lies ahead, but what we're planning on doing is if we can get ahead at this season, not knowing what's going to happen downriver, we just want to be wise in our estimation. Now, if it means that we loosen our belt, then we can do that. Um, you know, a million people lost their jobs a week ago, and we realise that our work environment has changed as well. And so we want to be responsive to that. Of course, if you can give and give generously, then do that. We're aware of some of the government schemes that we can also tap into as well. But I just wanted you to make aware, you aware of what's going on there. Thanks to, um, to Jeff, um, Finance, and for Chad, the head chair of Church Council, for leading us at this space as well. Some of you are also posting some great spiritual resources. You're finding right now that there's some songs or there's some resources that are really helpful for you. And what I would encourage you to do is to post them through. Uh, and as you do, we can place them up on our website so that others of us in the community here can also benefit from them as well. So if you've got any particular resources that you are connecting in, spiritual resources that are encouraging you, would you go and post that through, uh, maybe on our Facebook page? Um, or, and then we can pick those up and we can plant some of the really good material there in our website. That's what we'll be working on this week. Okay, so Easter is coming and some of you will be wondering, um, what are we doing because it's going to be a virtual tour this, 
this week and we're still wondering what we're doing as well. So thank you to Joel and to Nick who are putting all the different details together to make this possible. We're kind of scrambling and we're kind of working in a methodical way and really appreciate their input. Um, but this week, um, what we'll have posted to you on Monday, particularly for all the families um, that are preparing, is that Beck is going to be sharing on Good Friday and there's an activity to do with painting of stones in the collection in preparation for Good Friday. Um, so look out for that on Monday and there's, so there's an activity you can run through with and she's going to incorporate that into her talk. So there'll be Good Friday to tune into and there'll be Easter Sunday to tune into as well and we're going to have varied content as well so look out for that but particularly the post on Monday. How about I pause for a moment because this is a season of lament. Tom Wright um, some of you would know him. He wrote an article that's been published in Time magazine that uh, went to the tune and the effect of saying that the Christians don't have a lot to say in this moment about the, the why this is happening and where this is happening and the, all the ins and outs of coronavirus. But one of the things that Christians throughout the ages have turned to uh, are the Psalms. Um, and the Psalms of Lament, they're the, the poets, they're the singer-songwriters who've collected up at times all the moments of anguish and pain that they've been experiencing and their community has been experiencing and they've put them into song, they've put them into words to capture a moment of grief. I have a friend who wrote about these things. She said that the laments are like a suspended theodicy. What is that? It's like a suspended moment where we try not to rationalize things or point our fingers in blame, but we just collectively, as a group of human beings, pause and recognize that there is pain and suffering in our world that we don't have all the answers to, and that we gather all those thoughts and we bring them up to God. In, in Psalm 40, in some of the singer-songwriters, there's one psalm here that says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry clay. And I, he set my feet upon a rock and he makes my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. In fact, it was you two who took this psalm and they put it into their own anthem, capturing and collecting all of the thoughts of crying out, of, of lament and anguish that we experience and that we are experiencing in our culture, in our community, in fact, across the globe right now. There's another psalm, a psalm of lament and cry in Psalm 102, and it says this, Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me and answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is stricken and withered like grass. I am too wasted to eat my bread because of my loud groaning my bones cling to my skin. I am like an owl in the wilderness, like an owl in the waste places. I lie awake and I am like a lonely bird on a housetop. I mean, all of those words capture the longings and the grief and the sadness that we are experiencing and the psalmist is collecting them all up and giving them up to God and acknowledging them and recognizing them from the inside of their being to the outside in the external of their mouth. 
they are reflecting and calling out and crying out. So I wonder if we might pause as a community, a new community community right now, and lift up some lament. What you have on the screen before you here are four different images that each of them express some of the laments our community has been experiencing. The first one, the top left-hand corner there, is of the Centrelink line. A million people lost their jobs last week. To the right-hand side in the top, you have uh, an operating theatre reflecting all of the, the medical staffing and all of those who are taking in that first line, front line, from our physiotherapists to our surgeons to our nursing to our doctors, everyone involved there. And there's grief and lament that's happening throughout our communities. People are losing their lives. And as our medical fraternity is trying their best to serve humanity in love, in dignity. The bottom left-hand side there, you'll see our bushfires. Remember the bushfires? It was just only a few months ago that this captured all of our attention. And yet we don't want to forget those people who are still building their lives back from, from those initial flames. And then, of course, there's the, the bottom right-hand corner where you've got a uh, young family who are writing to their nan and pa because they miss them, because there are people who are isolated right now. You know, one of the lovely things I've been hearing about New Community is that I've been receiving calls, people who have been receiving calls from one another and just saying, hey, how are you? Could you continue to do that from wherever you are? Reach out not only to those who are known, but the ones that might get missed along the way. But I wonder if we might pause right now in a sense of solidarity, gathering up all of these thoughts of lament and grief that we're going through and collectively bringing them up to God. So as I pause right now, I would invite you to pray for those who have lost their jobs and experiencing anxiety, to pray for those who are serving on the front line, to pray for those who are still putting their lives back together again post the fires, and to pray for those who are experiencing a sense of isolation and loss right now from families and loved ones that they can't see. So together, wherever you are on the couch, sitting in the chair, wherever you are, why don't we pray? Father, we acknowledge the losses and the grief right now. We lament from our heart. We grieve with those who grieve. We mourn with those who mourn. And I believe that you do too. We're reminded of Jesus standing at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. When he heard of his death, he cried. He lamented. We're told of the spirit, your spirit, that groans within us, longing for a day in which everything is to be put back together again. And so we too join in that groaning of the spirit. And right now we want to bring to you all those who are unemployed, who have lost th their work. We ask that you might meet them at their point of need. We pray for all the provisions and pray for our leaders who are governing and directing finances and resources towards. But we ask that you might comfort those now, that they may experience your powerful presence in ways that words can't say. And Father, I pray for those who are on the front line right now, who are carrying their own anxieties and the exhaustion and what lies ahead is uncertain. Ask and pray that you might give them wisdom and diligence, that there might be a sense of refreshment and rejuvenation in their work. We commit them to you now. 
God, I also want to pray for those who are pulling the seeds of their life back together again after the bushfires. That one thing has, has hit and now another thing has come and it might seem like it's all too much. Father, I pray that you might reach out to all those who are in their homes and their families and their farms, wherever they are right now. Would you give them a sense of hope, a sense of presence, because your mighty hand is with them even when they do not know. God, I pray that you might provide for them in ways that, that humans, that we cannot. God, I pray for all those who are experiencing a great sense of isolation and loss right now. Would you prompt us and nudge us into ways that we can reach out to share, to connect. I pray that as people's doors close practically that our hearts might still be open. Would you direct us to ways in which we can love and to care and to join together in solidarity even whilst we're apart. God, I, we collect all of these thoughts, all of these groanings, all of these sorrows and we bring them to you. We ask and we pray that we might experience a sense of your greatness and your goodness even amidst all of the suffering. And we ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder over the next few days and few weeks if some of you might be nudged and prompted by God to have a great idea of a way of responding to the needs. Remember a couple of months ago, it was Erin Butros who came and shared with us. She made a pledge. She put it up on her website and it's uh, had an enormous effect. Well, I wonder in what ways God might prompt and nudge you, whether you're young or old alike, that God might prompt you in to do something and to start something that might have a profound effect. I've heard there's a whole bunch of backpackers that have nowhere to go and nowhere to live. They're kind of caught in transit. And I wonder if someone in our community might start something to help connect with our backpackers, pull someone in, share a home, share some food in a way of connecting. I don't know. Who knows all the different kinds of things, but would you be open to the nudging and the prompting of God and the way in which he might respond through you to help others in this time of need? All right. We're going to launch into our continued series today, and it's called The Jesus Way. We've been following um, along this path in the story in Luke about telling the good news of who Jesus is, what he's come to do, how he's come to transform lives, how he's come to bring his kingdom here on earth. And we're going to continue that today with Cindy sharing with us. And so um, why don't you just give it up from wherever you are <laughs> and welcome Cindy along and we're just going to do a changeover right now. Have a great morning. See you on Friday. Well, good morning everybody hopefully you can hear me okay I've heard that we've got a little bit of problem with some volume so hopefully it'll all get sorted out um, but in the meantime um, for those of you who don't know me I'm Cindy and I'm really excited about giving the talk today even though it's a little bit different in here I'm in Troy's office and um, I would like to be wearing my fluffy slippers and be on my couch with my dog and my coffee but hopefully you are so enjoy 
Today I'm going to be speaking to you about the economy of God and in particular the idea of um, stop trying. And you'll probably hear from me these three words over and over. Stop, rest and invest. If I was to show you this picture, perhaps last year sometime, and I would have asked you, what is this? Probably none of you would have known. But now, everybody knows what that is. It's the coronavirus, right? It's COVID-19. And I wonder if you're like me and you just think, what on earth is going on in the world at the moment? It's funny how suffering seems to get our attention. It makes you sit up and think about the things that actually matter. Earlier this week, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison said these words and I wonder if he actually realised how deep they were. He said, Australia, now is the time to dig deep. And when he said those words, I actually felt in my spirit a stirring that perhaps that's what Jesus wants me to say today to you, new community, and to all those who are watching at home. Now is the time to dig deep. It's timely. Perhaps it's time to shift our focus. I don't know about you, but in the first few weeks when this coronavirus broke out, I was watching the news at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was watching at 9 o'clock, I watched at 12 and I watched at 7, and I was panic scrolling on my iPhone looking through Facebook or ABC iView to find out what the latest news was to get an update. And it's funny, but it was actually my oldest son who said to me, Mum, you've got to stop doing that. It's not good for you. You shouldn't be watching the news all day. It's not good. And I think he was right. I think what it does is it steals away the quietness of our soul. There was a man in the 1950s by the name of A.W. Tozer who was a theologian and who loved God. And he said these words, Quietness of soul, the fruit of truly seeking God, is seldom found in 20th century Christians. So I wonder about you today. Do you have quietness of soul? Because the way I see it, there are two options. One is you can freak out, you can bury your head in the sand like an ostrich, or maybe you could even stay busy for those of us who still have jobs. Or the other option is you could hook into God's divine economy and you could stop and you could rest and you could invest. So I wonder if you're open to that today. And I wonder whether we might just pause for a moment and pray and just ask God's Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. Father God in heaven, I want to thank you for this opportunity to speak today. Lord God, I ask that as we're sitting on our couches or if we're in our kitchens or whatever we're doing, God, that you would speak to us, that you would have your way and that we would be able to have a new encounter with you. I ask for your Holy Spirit's power to come through the words that I'm speaking that you might be glorified, Jesus, that people would get to know you better. So open your heart to us, Jesus, and reveal your heart to us in a new way, in Jesus' name. Amen. So why don't you go ahead and open your Bible. We're going to have a look at the passage of Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. And while you're doing that, I'm going to set the scene for you. You see, the story that we're going to look at today is about Martha and Mary. And you will notice that the story is set almost like a bridge in the middle of two other stories. One is about the parable of the Good Samaritan and one is where Jesus teaches on prayer. And I don't think it's a mistake that those two things are on either side of this story. I think we're actually meant to notice something. 
And one of the things we can do when we read the Bible is we need to look at the context and we need to look at how it's actually written. So the first one, the parable of the Good Samaritan, an expert of the law comes to Jesus and says, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him the most profound words which are written all over the Old Testament. He says, love God and love your neighbour as yourself. He even says it again in Matthew 22 to someone else. He says the whole of the Old Testament, the whole of that ancient text that was written before Jesus came to earth, everything hangs on this, the idea of loving God and loving your neighbour. So just park that there for a moment and have a look at Luke 11 where Jesus teaches on prayer. Jesus is talking about asking and seeking and knocking and giving you the very presence of himself with the Holy Spirit. So well, we're not going to look at those two passages, we are actually just going to park them there for a moment and just be aware of them to time as I continue to speak. So let's have a look at Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. And I'm going to read it with you. On their journey, Jesus came to a village. There was a woman there named Martha who welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the master's feet and listened to his teaching. Martha was frantic with all the work in the kitchen. Master, she said, coming into where they were, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to give me a hand. Martha, Martha, he replied, you are fretting and fussing about many things. Only one thing matters. Mary has chosen what is best and it's not going to be taken away from her. So I wonder what God is saying to us. As I've been resting and reflecting on this all week, I keep coming back to the same things. Three things, in fact. The first thing, look carefully at Martha's place. The second thing, look at Mary's place. And the third thing, look at Mary's investment. So let's unpack this. Let's have a look at Martha's place. I feel a little bit sorry for Martha because she always seems to get a bad rap. Every time this story is told, it's like Mary is better and Martha is not. And I just feel a bit sorry for her. So I, I actually sat with Jesus this week and really asked him to show me some truth about this story. And what I found was that Jesus is actually not mad or disappointed in Martha. The truth of the story is, is that she's incredibly generous and really hospitable. She opened her home to him. You know, many scholars actually think, biblical scholars think that perhaps Martha was a widow. And if that is the case, it would have cost her a lot to have opened her home. And not only financially, but possibly also her reputation. And at the time, it was probably dangerous for her to have entertained Jesus and welcomed him because he was already being sought after by the Jewish leaders because they wanted to trap him. And this story takes place really close to the time of Easter. So what's wrong with Martha's reaction then? What is it actually that Jesus is pointing out here? Well, if you have a look at verse 40, look at Martha's reaction. She says, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to give me a hand. I mean, it's quite telling, isn't it? Martha's reaction actually is probably coming from a place of hurt. She's complaining. She's possibly jealous. 
because I actually think Martha too wanted to listen to Jesus, but she just got distracted by the pressure to be hospitable. In thinking about this during the week, these words crossed my mind several times and I wonder whether it's um, applicable that I share it with you. I think that Martha lost the heart of her ministry. See, because her heart was with Jesus. That's why she opened her home. She loved him. Perhaps she lost her way. Remember the Good Samaritan? Love God, love others. I wonder if Martha just got the wrong order at the wrong time. See, her service at that time wasn't grounded in relationship with Jesus. Martha and Mary are not enemies. They're sisters. They're both doing good things. But maybe Martha was just distracted and burnt out. I know for myself, being in ministry over the years, if I'm not spending time at the feet of Jesus, I can end up doing things like administration or rostering and I can feel really burnt out, even though that's my act of service to God and his people. And I wonder if that's how Martha might have felt. You see, we can imagine it like this, like a coin, and on the one side of the coin, our Christian character is that we want to have contemplative service to God, where we actually reflect and we spend time with him. And then the, on the other side, we have active service to God. And this coin, it's double-sided, but there are times when we need to stop and we need to listen to God, but there are also times when we need to serve him with action. And we need both. We can be sitting or we can be serving. And I wonder about Martha, whether perhaps she could have served and what she did, maybe out of a Mary place. And I wonder for you if that could be true, as you think about the ways that if you're a Jesus follower, maybe that you've served God in the past. Have you been doing it out of burnout? Maybe you too could do that out of a Mary place. And for those of us who are exploring Jesus, Maybe that's something too that you can look at and you can say, actually, I like what Mary was doing. I want to have a look at the second place of this talk where Mary is actually sitting at the feet of Jesus. Do you notice that she's sitting? She's actually coming from a resting place. She's at his feet at a position of humility. If it was a position of honour, she'd be sitting next to him, but she's not. She's actually at his feet, resting. The second thing to note is that that place at the feet of Jesus was traditionally reserved for a trainee disciple, perhaps a rabbi in the making, who would have been a man. So Mary crosses this socio-cultural boundary, as it were, and just sits at his feet. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't just whoosh her away actually validates the fact that she is seeking him with her whole heart in that moment. He validates her. And thirdly, I was thinking this week that if you're sitting at somebody's feet, in order to actually listen to them and hear them, you actually need to be looking up. You need to be lifting your eyes and you need to be shifting your focus. And I wonder if that's what we need to be doing at a time like this, when we hear all about the coronavirus and we're all wondering about what's going to be happening next. Perhaps we can shift our focus and lift our eyes. Remember the Good Samaritan? Love God, love others. That's the right order and that's what Mary had. But you know, she wasn't the only one. Jesus himself 
used to go out to quiet places to spend time with the father. This week, I received this photo from Ali Box, whom you would know. She's one of the staff here at our church at New Community. And she's over in the UK at the moment looking after her father, who's not well. And every day they take this walk along the street, along these hedges, and Ali said that normally she'd be able to walk it in 10 minutes, but um, with her dad, because he's a bit slower nowadays, it takes them about half an hour. And he often stops and pauses at the hedge and he leans into it and he takes a rest and he gets his breath and he gets the sun on his face. And when Ali shared this with me, I really felt that maybe there was something in that for us today as well, this idea of hedge pausing. And I want to read to you what I wrote back to Ali because I think there's something in this. Hedge pauses. We all need this kind of hedge pause to lean into something stronger than ourselves, to muster strength, to catch our breath, to rest a moment and to get perspective. I wonder about you. Do you have time for some hedge pausing perhaps? The other day I got a phone call from a friend and I, I was sitting on my back deck and she said, what are you doing at the moment? I said, I'm sitting on my back deck staring at trees. And she said, why are you doing that? And I said, well, actually I'm just spending time with Jesus. I'm sitting and I'm talking to him and I'm enjoying his company. She said, oh, how long have you been there? I said, an hour. She's like, what? How can you spend an hour doing that? I couldn't last an hour. And I wonder about you. Maybe you're thinking, I could be a Mary, but I don't know how long I could do that for. Is there an expectation of me to have to have long, quiet times with Jesus? A few years ago, um, I got an exercise bike from my next door neighbour and when he gave it to me, he said, now Cindy, I want to tell you that when you get on this exercise bike, don't set yourself up for disappointment. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, well, let's look at it this way. If you decide that you're going to ride this bike and every day that you get back on it, you're going to beat your time or you're going to be on it five minutes longer than the last time, he said, what you'll find is that after about a week or two, you won't be able to beat your time anymore and then you'll just give up and you won't be exercising at all. He says, the way to do it is to be consistent a little bit every day. And so I wonder about that and the idea of hedge pausing and whether a little bit of consistency might work for you. You could carry that awareness of God with you in your day. Now remember I asked you to park the other idea of Jesus speaking and teaching on the Holy Spirit. We had the Samaritan and we had his teaching on prayer. I asked you to park that there. I want to have a quick look at that for a moment um, to try and tie in some of these ideas. See, Jesus' advice was that um, we could ask and seek and knock. So let's have a look at this for a moment. It's in Luke 11, verse 9 and 10. So this is my word to you. Ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You see, everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open for them. You see, what Jesus was talking about there is the presence of his Holy Spirit. What he's saying to us here is that there is a new power source available to help us in our daily walk with him. And I think Mary had the right idea here. 
she was already onto it. And I think that's why Martha and Mary are a bridge between the Good Samaritan, loving God, loving others. And when Jesus gives his Holy Spirit, he empowers us to do that in a whole new way, from a place of rest, not a place of earning or striving or trying hard. It's about stopping, it's about resting, and it's about investing. You see, Jesus actually calls himself the door. And when you knock on the door of his heart, he will respond to you. I have a dog called Rufus, and this time he's not on the slides. I'm sorry if you're disappointed about that. But sometimes when I call Rufus's name from the other end of the house, I can already hear his tail beating on the floorboards because he knows I'm talking to him. Or I might stick my head out from the bedroom and I'll have a look down to the kitchen and I can see him already turning over and rolling for a pat, even before I'm there. And I wonder about if that's what Jesus is talking about when he's speaking about prayer and the Holy Spirit, that he's ready to respond at any minute. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, he's not far away. See, in the day and age when Jesus was on earth, he could only be in one place at one time because he was fully human and yet fully God. And now that Jesus is back with the Father, we have the presence of his spirit. Everybody can have the presence of his spirit. There's a movie called The BFG, The Big Friendly Giant. Um, it's fantastic. It's by Roald Dahl, the book, originally. I encourage you to watch it. Um, maybe not with very young children, but it's a great movie. And in it, there's an orphan who is standing in the orphanage in London in the middle of the night. And The Big Friendly Giant is over in giant land. And they have had this close relationship, but for a moment they've had to be separated. And this, this little orphan girl stands on the edge of her balcony in the night and she just whispers, BFG, can you hear me? And then the camera pans to the big friendly giant who's standing there, I think he's washing the dishes or something. And he's got these massive ears. And as soon as she says, BFG, can you hear me? His ears start wiggling because they're so, such big ears and you can hear her voice way, way, way away from giant land. And I wonder if that's what it's like with Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The moment that we start to think of him or the moment we call out to him, the very moment that we're knocking on his door, he's already responding, he's already listening and he's ready. I wonder if you've ever thought about that from Mary's place. What about Mary's investment, this third idea of what she actually does by sitting at his feet? You see, if you look at verse 42 of Luke 10, it says that Mary has chosen what is better, but it also says that that will never be taken away from her. What is Jesus talking about here and why has he even bothered saying that? I think it's interesting that it's made it into the passage. Well, think about it. What are the things in our life that might be taken away from us? Think about COVID-19. Think about the fact that lots of people have lost their jobs, education, possibly even toilet paper, maybe hand sanitizer. But Jesus is talking about something that is way more meaningful and will last a lot longer. Last week, Troy showed us this slide of these silos and he spoke about the idea of material possessions. And that one day when our lives are demanded of us, we can't take our possessions with us. And I think Jesus is saying in this moment, you need to start investing in like what Mary is doing and sitting at my feet and getting to know me because that cannot be taken away from us. I want to share with you a scripture from Romans. And for those of you who've got a pen, 
and a piece of paper. You might want to jot it down and look it up later. Romans 8, verse 38 to 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, no powers, no height, no depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I think that's what Jesus is talking about. It's for this reason that Jesus came, because he's the only one that could take on the power of sin and death and defeat it. This is why it's lasting. And when we pour ourselves into that place, like Mary did, nothing can take that away from us. So how do you invest? How do you today invest in this particular relationship with Jesus? Or perhaps you can do what Scott Morrison suggested, but on a spiritual level, now is the time to dig deep. We're all in isolation. Some of us are in quarantine, can't get out for two weeks. I mean, what better opportunity than to stop and to rest and invest, right? So ask and seek and knock. Have a closer look at that Luke 11 scripture where Jesus teaches on prayer and get alone with God. It can be a long time or it can be lots of short times. But I think the important idea is that you do get alone with God and invest. Many years ago, I had a friend who gave me a word of encouragement. And she said, Cindy, when you're feeling anxious, which I think a lot of us are at the moment, when you're feeling anxious, think about the story of Jesus and his disciples on the boat when a storm rose up. Jesus was inside the hull of the boat, resting on a cushion, while his disciples were upstairs, frantically worrying about the storm. And they go down to Jesus and they find him resting on a cushion. And this lady said to me, Cindy, you could imagine that yourself, that if Jesus is resting on a cushion and he's got himself totally in the hands of the Father, then you too can go to that resting place, knowing that it's safe with him. And so sometimes I imagine that um, when I'm in an anxious place, that I can actually drop down to that place where Jesus is, where he's resting, and I can rest with him there, with the Holy Spirit. Quite a few weeks ago, Lynn Moracy was talking at the Holy Spirit Masterclass about the idea of the flow of the Spirit. And she said that the three metaphors of the Spirit in the Bible are fire and water and wind, and that all three of them are constantly moving. It's not rigid. And I think when Jesus is teaching on prayer and he says that he's going to give his Holy Spirit, I wonder if he has this in mind. The fact that his Holy Spirit brings a flow so that it's in you and then through you. And I wonder if that's a new thing for you today, the idea of investing in a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he can flow through you. So how about you? How will you carve out a place for God this week? How will you stop? And how will you rest? And how will you invest? I've been an avid journaler since I was about 12 years old. It's interesting to go back and see how I've changed since that time. But I've noticed in the last probably 10 to 15 years that as I flick through my journals, I've highlighted over and over these three words, just love me. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to you today. The parable of the Good Samaritan, remember that? Love God, love others. And remember Jesus teaching on prayer, the Holy Spirit. If we can combine the two of those, 
and we can just love God and let his presence flow through us, we can all be Marys. We can all be Marthas, but from a Mary place. You see, he waits to be wanted, Jesus does. Do you know that? Are you willing to ask and seek and knock? Do you want the presence of his Holy Spirit more and more? Because he's going to respond to you, so be ready. The kingdom of heaven is all about the flow of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you the two differences that I picked up on just looking at Martha and Mary. While these two things are just like the opposite sides of the coin, sometimes we need to look at Mary and we need to be able to look from that place to give into the other place. So while Martha was giving, Mary was receiving. While Martha was self-reliant, Mary was God-reliant. While Martha was distracted, Mary was focused. While Martha was doing, Mary was being. How hard is it to be a human being and not a human doing? While Martha was complaining, Mary was full on listening. And Martha opened her home, but Mary opened her heart. So you can see why Jesus is saying, this is a great option. So this week, to stop and to rest and invest, I want to suggest three things. And you'll find them on the link once this video is finished. And I encourage you to go and read through them. Um, maybe on your own or with your families or with your Zoom groups. But the first one is this. Find yourself a spot. So this is my prayer chair, or one of them. I have a few in my house for wherever I am. But I like to sit in this chair and I like just to contemplate who God is. I speak to him, I share with him, and I just enjoy him. Could you find yourself a spot at home because you're probably isolated? Maybe you could sit in your backyard, although it's probably too cold today. Find a spot to be with Jesus and to sit at his feet. It's perfect timing. Other than that, you could try this idea of gospel meditation. And that's looking through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. You could find stories of Jesus. And as you read it out loud to yourself a couple of times, you could imagine yourself as a spectator and watch Jesus and watch his reactions. Don't try and learn anything new. Don't try and analyse it. Just sit in that space and watch Jesus. Watch what he does. Watch what he says. And I think you'll find that by sitting at his feet in that way, you'll learn something new. And thirdly, this idea of getting out into nature can actually be really refreshing and it can be a great God space. I know there's a lot of us that like to go out and surf or ride a bike. Um, I don't know if that's essential travel or not, but... Yvonne has made a few links, um, which you will find as well at the end of this video, about getting out into nature and using your five senses. And I think God has actually given us nature to enjoy him. That's where we started off, right? The biblical story talks about being in Eden, which is a garden, with God. So when you watch those video links, just ask God to show you something new or to be with you in that space. So I want to finish off with a couple of quotes. The first one is by Graham Cook, and it's this. God wants to give you something of himself, so make him your prime motivation. And the other one is from a little book by Francis J. Roberts, which was written a very long time ago. And I just want to end with this. 
So this is actually Jesus speaking to you, if you can imagine that. You are not unworthy. You are not unprepared. You have no reason to hold back, unless it be that your love for me might be too small. If this is your only hindrance, draw closer to me and I will pour out my love upon you. And so shall your affection also for me be deepened and perfected. I wait for you, so come to me. So amidst all the stress and all the change, prioritise sitting at his feet because he wants to respond to you. So stop, rest and invest. And why not now? Chat with your family or whoever you've got at home with you or maybe even your Zoom groups and enjoy unpacking this story of Martha and Mary and becoming a Mary, a Martha from a Mary place. Have a great week, everyone.